Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's double or nothing recap time, folks, right here on Fightful.com. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes sitting in for Sean Ross who is taking all the sights, sounds, and smells of Vegas right now on a double or nothing weekend. And I am going to be chatting here with you about AEW's very first official pay-per-view here this evening. Double or nothing that just happened tonight, of course. Of course, of course, everything we do here is brought to you by Fightful Selected. It's always the best way to support everything that we do here at Fightful, our premium service where you get all sorts of extra wrestling content, including stuff that I do. Sean does extra things. We have Steven Jensen who does the weekend. They're covering non-WWE stuff. Go check it out at FightfulSelect.com. Like I said, the best way to support everything that we do here at Fightful. But we wouldn't, one of the best ways to support our post-pay-per-view shows is to have none other than Alex Pulowski with us. Alex, how are you doing? Uh, good. Um, I'm glad to see uh, that the Monday Night Wars are back in effect. Basically, I mean, uh, yeah, you you can't you. This is this is this is basically Luger walking in on the first Nitro, <laughs> except for without the mullet. So you know, the least the least uh, old John Moxley could have done is worn a wig. Just to get right synchronicity back together again. <laughs> yeah, make the reference complete. Yeah, complete. Um, yeah, you, you know, Sean, you, 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 not Sean. You're not Sean. You're I'm not Alex. Sorry, slip of the tongue. Um, <laughs> you watch. Uh, you, you, you do. You do the raw recaps. You do the I, SmackDown recaps. I do. This must have been a nice little palate cleanser for you. Well, it was definitely uh, different. I will say that there were uh, there was a lot of stuff that um, that you don't re- recognize, like how how much of the stuff that WWE does that you're like, actually, no, that's uh, probably the right way to do it. Um, and, and and then it's but it's far outweighed, I think, by a lot of the way that just everything is just. For example, we had a story told in one match in this ring tonight. The WWE could have told over a series of matches in several years, but decided, nah, it's not big enough for a WrestleMania match. 
So I guess AEW proved you can do stuff better in one night than WWE can in several years. And we are going to be touching on all of that very soon. Before, uh, you know, I, you know, uh, to, just before we actually get into the matches, you know, they had their stage set up, which was a definite, uh, in my opinion, was a definite step up from what they had at All In. I thought the stage looked great. It didn't go overboard. Uh, they, they even had mentioned that um, uh, this was a, uh, I don't remember exactly the term that Brandy used at first, but it was uh, uh, sensitive to um, uh, to uh, uh, people who were very uh, uh, sensory I forget the term, but sensory sensitive, I guess, sensitive mm -hmm. to to too many uh, too many sights and sounds, which was a nice touch, and I thought I thought it worked well. And you know, the Titan Trons, or I guess I don't know what you'd call them, the Cody Trons, they were they were yeah. all they were all fantastic. Everyone had these great, really uh, beautiful entrances. None of them felt botched or thrown together by one of the interns. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you, what did you think about their the, the production setup? I thought it looked great. Well, the the, the stage looked great. Uh, all the the production stuff was really nice. Uh, I mean, Cody knows what to bring with him from WWE. Um, you know, the 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 perform match promo videos are good, especially with him and Dustin was excellent. Um, uh, and maybe he can uh, actually, you know, do the smart thing, go backstage and yell at people. <laughs> whoever decides to, to which camera to be showing on on the network um when uh when things are happening five or six feet to the left of whatever's going on that we actually got to see but uh yeah i mean it's listen again it is the first time they're doing this mistakes are going to be made they're gonna they're gonna break through things are gonna change and i mean i'm i'm really excited to see what the future will hold for this company going forward and for uh, for their presentation on the air as well. I want to thank Hannah Moore in the chat who uh, reminded me that it's called sensory processing disorder. Thank you very much, <laughs> yeah. Hannah. Uh, and yeah, you know, you know, you know, we might actually get into that as we as we go along. But yeah, camera shots and production mistakes were unfortunately a bit of a theme as we were going on. But let's get to it. Let's start. Let's start talking about the pre-show. We got the uh, buy-in battle royal, which actually had stakes now. Yep. With the winner getting becoming one of the two contenders for the upcoming AEW World Championship title. So we had uh, 21 men, or at least 20 suits of five men <laughs> uh, being, uh, being added to, uh, not 20 suits, four suits of five men that's right that's how math works being added to the uh being added to the to the battle royal at once with a 21st joker card alex mm -hmm. uh, i'm not necessarily going to going to go through all the details here but we did have mjf uh we did have um uh, uh sunny days brendan cutler michael nakazawa dustin thomas who is the gentleman uh, uh, no legs from uh, spring break uh, from um, uh, Joey Janela's spring break this year, who made an appearance. Brand Pillman Jr. Uh, we also had uh, Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, Ace Romero was there. Sean Spears, formerly known as Ty Dillinger, as well, made an appearance. Billy Gunn, as well. Glacier to a remarkable pop. Jungle Boy, uh, the uh, private party, Mark Quinn and Isaiah, Isaiah Cassidy, Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, Sunny Kiss. Tommy Dreamer was there, and the 21st 
Joker card was Hangman Adam Page. Now, to be honest, Alex, let's let's be completely transparent with each other. When we saw Adam Page come out, we knew who was winning this, right? I was ninety two point seven percent sure it was not, it was Hangman Page. The rest of it was all MGF. Like I didn't know like how how much of a rocket they wanted to strap to MJF because it's clear that he's going to be a rising star for this company. Um, uh, but yeah, once it was at a, a main page, I was like, okay, fine. There were there were a few people who I thought were inter- eliminated a little too soon. Uh, I thought you could have benefited from from having Sean Spears take a while around for a while longer. Um, the types of people who would love AEW, I think, are the types of people. Who, if they watched anything uh, in the under the WWE umbrella, it would be NXT, and that's mm-hmm. where Ty Dillinger really got a chance to shine and got over huge with the crowd. I mean, you can say no, the chant was over, yeah, but he got the chant over, and like there was a point near the end of his career where people were like really hoping for like a main event push, like maybe he wouldn't win the title, but he'd get a title match, you know, something like that, uh, and then he got brought up, and of course, you know, nothing. So um, I thought maybe they were going to stick it to uh, WWE by by pushing uh, Dillinger a little bit and seeing if if he could excuse me Spears uh, and seeing uh, how much momentum he could get in this new company uh, and say hey listen uh, we're we're going to do major things with the guys that you think are jobbers um, but that wasn't the way they were going to stick it to WWE no. uh, they were going to stick it to him in a much more much more way with a much bigger stick. Yeah, exactly. And as some of the uh, some of the folks once said, some of, I, I don't remember who exactly said it in AEW. They don't want to become they don't want to become the uh, WWE castoffs nope. either, no, which is which is smart. The final four. I'm not going to go through the entire battle royal, but the final four were uh, Page, MJF, uh, Luchasaurus, and Jimmy Havoc. Um, all three of the baby faces, I guess, or at least the non. MJF guys all beat up on MJF at once who went to hide under the apron. Luchasaurus eliminated Havoc uh, and um, Page works over Luchasaurus, but Luchasaurus cuts, cuts him off. Charges and Page low blows him for the elimination. And then MJF attacks because Page, because apparently we had all forgotten about it, but we didn't. And uh, uh, Page is able to uh, to avoid the elimination, hit the buckshot lariat and eliminate MJF. I thought the battle royal was mjfs he was fantastic the whole way through uh they believe in this kid so much and he is such a fantastic heel it is amazing but this was actually our first in, in, encounter here with the uh with the production missteps dustin thomas at some point the guy with no legs hit a 619 on joey janela and they cut the camera just as he was about to hit it and uh and and, and janela at some point i don't know alex did you realize that uh Joy Janela had a uh, lit cigarette stapled to his forehead. No, I remember because the camera lingered on him lighting it. <laughs> yeah, but then they went they went away. I was like, oh, I guess he took a couple of puffs and threw that away, and that's never coming back again. Uh, and then later, the announcer was like, Joey Janela with a with a cigarette stapled to his stapled to his head. Uh, can I see film of that, please? No, thank you. Yeah, bye. Yeah, picks or it didn't happen, basically. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. It was a fun opener. I mean, uh, it was, you know, the, uh, 
the uh, over the budget battle royal at All In was fun. This was fun as well. They keep keep if they, and even the battle royal they had at the uh, G1 Supercard, they keep going down that route. I'm okay with it. Those are fun openers. Gets a lot of people. Uh, gets a lot of people seeing some uh, some new guys, some indie stars. That's fantastic. Yeah, the one thing that I will say about it that kind of ruined a little bit of it for me uh, was uh, these announcers. Uh, this was is it is it Ganza. The, the guy who's okay. not Excalibur and not JR. Oh, I, I, Alex Marvez. 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 Yeah, Marvez. Bad. Bad guy. Not no. I mean, maybe, maybe he's a decent person, terrible announcer, uh, because also, I mean, I everyone knows the gag of the guy went out through the second rope or under the bottom rope, and he's still there. Everyone knows that gag in a battle royal. But uh, when, it, when it's down to two guys in the ring and one guy on the outside, and they go, down to just two. Oh, excuse me, three. Remember, there's a guy on the outside. You've ruined everything for everyone. <laughs> so stop it. Please just stop it. Yeah, Marvis. Yeah, Marvis wasn't so bad when Jim Ross was around. Because, was he, just... because he completely laid out and didn't talk for like stretches of minutes. There you because yeah exactly because yeah because Excalibur yeah. and Ross could take up most of the legwork yeah he needed a coffee and or a Red Bull or both I he don't was... know man he somebody said on Twitter he's the opposite of Mauro Ronaldo like <laughs> you know like like Mauro can take any jobber versus jobber match and turn it into Rock versus Hogan but this guy uh yeah, there there it is the worlds are colliding I guess it's, yeah, that's the Marvez call you know. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the other match we had on the pre-card was uh, Sammy Guevara versus Kip Sabian. Um, this was this was a fun match, a good you know a, a, a fun little encounter between uh, these two superstars with some great chain wrestling to start. Sabian at some point hits a springboard uh, somersault senton. Um, uh, sorry, Guevara hits a springboard su somersault senton onto Sabian. Uh, then, um, get, uh, or, no, sorry. It's actually the opposite. My notes are confusing. Excuse me. Sabian hits that onto, uh, Guevara who's on the outside Then Guevara gets back into the ring, does something, but the camera never picks it up. So again, this was a bit of a theme during the evening. Um, uh, Sabian at some point also, uh, also does a nice dragon screw into an Indian death lock, which was really, really nice. Uh, Guevara hits a series of moonsaults that uh, go into a standing shooting star press, which were kind of off each target. It was a little sloppy. Match comes to an end when uh, when um, Guevara goes for a 630 splash, but Sabian lifts his knee ups, and boy, oh boy, does Guevara, Guevara eat those knees, and Sabian hits the deathly hollows to get the win. I like this match. You know what? I don't know what you think, Alex, but I really liked Sabian here, I thought he was crisp. I thought he was precise. Guevara came off as a little sloppy. Yeah, I think Guevara was trying too hard. Um, but, I mean, the, the, again, these are two guys who are going to bring up, you know, the the flippy quotient of the roster uh, over on Tuesday Night Dynamite, or they're going to call that thing. Uh, they'll, be, they'll, 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 they'll fill the Blitzkrieg versus Psychosis. <laughs> um, role, uh, oh, of 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 the night if, if you're using uh, Monday night uh night Monday Nitro references which oh, I will be <laughs> I, I will find ways of figuring out because if John Moxley 
is Lex Luger in this in this in this analogy that absolutely Kip Sabian and Sammy Guevara are Blitzkrieg versus Juventud Guerrera? That's better than Psychosis. Hoovy is actually a better one to one comparison. With the, so that's it. Blitzkrieg versus Hoovy is Kip Sabian uh, versus. It's like those old um, analogies you would do in the SAT questions. Blank is to blank as blank is to blank and. I think we're going to be doing that most of the time. I'm going to be talking about AEW for the rest of the time I'm employed at Fightful. <laughs> I am very excited to see who is going yeah. to be your new Laparka. We <laughs> uh, learned. We also learned that Sadie Gibbs is going to be a part of the uh, AEW women's roster. Sadie Gibbs, who uh, is a fairly uh, new commodity to wrestling. She's done some stuff in stardom. Uh, she's a big, strong lady. It's going to be interesting to see what she does there. And then the Elite come out. At the end of the pre-show, sans uh, Adam Page, however, uh, started to they sort of trade the mic with each other. You know, no, I should say it. No, I should say it. And ends up Kenny Omega saying, "Welcome to the event." It was okay. It came a, I, I felt it was a little cringy, Alex. To be it perfectly was, honest, it was weird. It was like they didn't know it was going to be televised. It was like <laughs> here's a thing for here's the thing for the fans in the arena. You. You've all seen us on Being the Elite. We're zany and wacky there. Uh, of course, you know, we can do take two on Being the Elite. Here it's live in front of a, front of a studio yeah, audience. Much. And, and if we don't have the right timing, we can't run it back. Um, okay. I mean, here's the deal. I mean, I'm okay with it tonight. If it starts happening all the time in their future pay-per-views, uh, or or in the the weekly TV series, but the referencing of we're not WWE, but we we're going to make fun of them. The fact like we're we're saying we're we're so not like them. We're going to show you what they would do and do it, you know, as kind of like tongue in cheek. Uh, but this does feel like a uh, are you ready kind of a, a promo, and it was like you know coming out and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Monday Night Raw. Like we haven't seen that every time. So that's what it felt like to that is like, we can do it too. Uh, we can gather all the authority figures out to come out and welcome you to the show. Uh, okay, fine. But you guys did it sloppily. If like you had actually done it like really pointedly, it might've actually landed, but it didn't land. No, it didn't. But what did land was the opening, the, the first match of the main card though. Holy crap. If you're going to start off your show and get make sure everyone stays glued to their seats. You put SCU versus the uh, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment Stronghearts, Shima, T-Hawk, and Linderman. Uh, this was a fantastic, as they say in the business. Um, Kazarian, uh, Kazarian and T-Hawk early on. Well, T-Hawk early on murders Kazarian with a, with a huge chop. Uh, he counters a jumping head scissors from Kazarian into a sit-out powerbomb. Uh, also, uh, uh, at the start of the match, uh, commentary puts over the fact that uh, sh uh, that uh, Shima and uh, Daniels have some history together. And boy, does it show those guys have a lot of chemistry together in the ring. SCU gets some great triple threat, uh, some uh, triple uh, triple threat action in uh, on uh, on the other guys that end with a that ends with a huge shotgun drop kick by Kazarian on Linderman. Daniels gets uh, a drop toe hold um, from the top, uh, and uh, there's a guillotine knee drop from the top rope by Shima, which just looked absolutely brutal. 
the strong hearts fight back with some really hard some huge strikes uh they do a double team pancake that's followed by double drop kicks on daniels um and here's here's a point that's interesting here is that uh jim ross pointed out that the strong hearts aren't trying to pin daniels they, they, and it's true there were multiple occasions where daniel was flat on his back and they didn't do anything and as you know sean when he's here likes to point out it's like well you have someone on your on his back you pin him but it wasn't happening and another thing that i want to point out alex and the the rules that they've established for tag team wrestlings in tag, tag team wrestling here in aew they they mentioned it at first right it's a you have when you tag yourself in you have 10 seconds to get out right and this is going to be enforced they said but it's also to the referee's discretion alex yeah um you're the smart guy no fightful no <laughs> work, work this, yes you are uh, 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 yeah. work this out for me because i don't, it, this one hurts my brain first of all intelligence is all relative so <laughs> um listen uh i don't know man listen i i, I don't i think that uh if you watch a wwe match and and when when a when a tag team match quote unquote breaks down nobody's calling 10 counts anyway you know what I mean? It's just it's just people running around doing moves. Um, you know, there's the the old sticking point the revival had where uh, only the legal man is allowed to hit the legal guy uh, and that kind of a thing, and that never happens. Um, it makes for exciting stuff, but I, I, I just like. I mean, I'd be fine if like the ten count was like only in singles matches and in and in tag team matches. It's like everybody's it's a free for all. I'm I'm down for tornado tag rules at all mm -hmm. times. Like just do something crazy and interesting, d different, and cool. Okay, fine. But um, but in this match, yeah, everything was kind of like balls to the wall crazy. So, oh, and yeah. it just got worse later on. I mean, it really felt like it really felt like New Japan rules where they're aren't really any rules sure. uh it, this was a fantastic match with a great pace it comes to an end when daniels hits the angel's wings but lindemann hits a german suplex on him then sima comes in with a meteora but then uh, kazarian makes the save kazarian hits arana to the floor uh and um uh which is followed by scorpio sky who hits a a, a Hilo, and back in the ring they hit the best Meltzer ever to finish off Lindemann, the youngest of the three strong hearts, mind you. I think they got the uh, they they weren't able to take out the uh, the the veterans here. They had to uh, focus on the younger guy. Uh, I thought this was, like I said, a fantastic match to kick it off. I enjoyed this tremendously. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was incredibly uh, entertaining to watch. Um, I, I I'm sorry, I. Uh, this is this is me being unfamiliar with some of these um competitors but every time they mentioned there was somebody named linderman in the match i kept thinking i was going to look in there and see somebody look like george costanza i was like linderman who's that guy looks the least like a linderman of anyone i can imagine I uh i guess that must be the joke but i was not in on it for a while every time they said linderman i was like are you referring to the referee like what's going on? Um, but anyway, uh, I I really loved it. I, I think Scorpio Sky is like he's nuts, man. I love watching that guy do stuff. It's it's still amazing to me that Christopher Daniels is in here doing stuff like this. At how I think he's I think he's sixty five. 
Like he's incredibly <laughs> old. He's incredibly old. He's so old. He was the guy who was originally supposed to be the higher power back in the Attitude Era. Uh, instead of, you know, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. No, it wasn't. It was actually originally Christopher Daniels, but Vince thought he was too short. So instead, he went over and had an entire amazing career with TNA and Ring of Honor. And uh, and now he's here in AEW 20 plus years later, still kicking ass. Exactly. And it, it, it is fantastic to see them. And man, this got the crowd hot and it kept them right, uh, right hot and right excited for Britt Baker defeating Smiling Kylie Ray, Nyla Rose, and <clears throat> Alex <clears throat> Awesome Kong. Who came out as a surprise for this match, Alex? Yeah. As far as surprises go, uh, this is right up there. Yeah, Wouldn't no, you agree? no, it's it's, it's totally, it's totally, it's totally right up there. Uh, we'll talk about this later. Uh, there's got to be an awesome versus Aja match for 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 the custody of the last name. There's it has to has to happen. Book it right now. Next pay per view has got to happen. Put it on thing, a pole. Oh yeah, <laughs> name on a pole match. So, um, the one thing I thought about this is I actually felt really bad for Nyla Rose. Because you know she's like, she's coming in like, I'm, I'm the baddest bitch. I'm the biggest bitch in this entire match. I'm going to kick everybody's ass. Oh, they found a bigger, badder bitch to come in and make me look like, you know, average sized. I mean, the other two women are, are you know, are, are, I thought this was really great. At, and at the same time, like it, it, it I didn't think awesome. Uh, was going to come in and 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 win, um, but I, I really loved. I, this is one of one of the top matches on the card for me. Like I was really impressed with all these ladies in here, including uh, Awesome Kong, who's you know for me like it it um it, it harkens back to you know the days of Karma in WWE as well, uh, and just the idea of you know wow this these people like and we'll talk about Aja Kong later. People who have been doing this for a long long ass time and they get a chance to help this fledgling company like really find their voice um but yeah i, I really love this match i liked how this match started where you had of course you know uh, all three women well at least the three women who were expected to be in the match all staring down at awesome kong but then naya rose just like she just walks up and she the stare down begins so then brit and uh and kylie ray go start beating up on on uh, on awesome Kong, but it, the both awesome Kong and and uh, and Rose toss both of the women away. It's like no 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 no, we're gonna handle this between two us two bigger ladies. Thank you very much. Um, but eventually, uh, it, it, most of the match is actually uh, Britt and Kylie uh, doing their thing, having a lot of back and forth. Um, uh, there's uh, the uh, there's Ray who escapes a. Uh, a choke slam from uh, from uh, Nia Rose and tries to pummel Rose, who delivers a huge spine buster on um, on Kylie Ray. Uh, she hits a nice Samoan drop on Britt Baker as well, but like a very nice Samoan uh, Samoan drop, not like some other women. Oh no, really nice. No, it was very very well done. Yeah. Um, uh, they 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 go up top. Uh, they go up top. Uh, when I say they, all three women. Uh, to do some kind of superplex spot, but an awesome Kong, arri a Kong arrives for a Tower of Doom spot, Alex. But at least 
at least she didn't sell the Tower of Doom like she actually took a bump as well. Because I absolutely hate that. Oh, yeah. No, but that's, that's one of the things that's, that makes the Tower of Doom worse. You, like, the idea of, like, they're selling is like, oh, it took so much out of me that I used all my power. to uh, Now my stamina meter has to rebuild so I can hit another move because this is NBA, this is WWE 2K19. Um, yeah, I don't like when they do that either. Um, but I, you're right, that, that Samoan drop uh, looked great. That jumping leg drop. It was almost as if I was watching going, oh, so this is what Naya is supposed to be. Naya is supposed to be Nyla. Oh. Like yes. that, I was watching that going like, oh, okay, that's that's what this is supposed to be. And uh, I, I was really impressed with her. Uh, but I'll tell you, we're, we're coming out to it. That that finishing stuff between um, Kylie Ray and Britt Baker was off the chain. Let's talk about it. Uh, bears to mention that uh, Rose spears uh, Kong into the into the steel steps, and that effectively murders them for the rest of the match. We don't see either of them uh, in, involved in the uh, in the proceedings here. Um, Ray rolls through an arm drag with a super kick to Baker, who fights back with a swinging neck breaker and covers Kylie, who kicks out at 2.9. Ray gets a rolling deadlift German into a bridge, who covers Baker for two. And Baker gets the pinfall with her Ushiguroshi, which anyway, it seemed like she had lost her step a bit, but that's basically it. Her Ushiguroshi, if it's not called the foot canal, I think we're doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough to get the uh, that's enough to get the win here for Baker. This was a fun this was a, a fun match. Some iffy booking as far as the I find the larger women goes. Uh, you know, I, it's kind of fishy to me that the that the spear took them out uh, for the rest of the match because Ray and Baker did go for at least another good 120 seconds at least. But this was a fun match, Alex. I mean, I, I'm fine with the two uh, brutes taking each other out. I mean, that's kind of the way it goes in these big things, you guys. I, I I need to have real concrete reasons why people aren't involved in the finish of these big multi-person matches. And that, to me, was enough. Um, uh, I did not have Kylie Ray nailing a vintage Chad Gable rolling chaos theory deadlift German with a bridge. That was impressive. And you're wrong. The foot canal is absolutely not what you call her version of the Adam Cole uh, last shot. In the, uh, the, what you call it is Novocaine because oh, it, it, it numbs you and knocks you out. That's or, or yeah, that's that's what you call that. Um, that thing is great. Uh, she's going to she's going to and Kylie Ray. I mean, credit to her. She she held her own. But I always th I, I figured it was going to be Britt Baker coming into this. You want to make her into a star. Um, the, the women's division, I think, is is in a good place moving forward. They've certainly got a great top of it. Listen, WWE has, I don't know, 30 women on the main roster, and they only use five of them. So all you need is five. If they're all really good, like have them wrestle each other, do a little tournament, um, you know, do a round-robin thing, and, and get your first female champion. If it's Britt Baker, Kylie Ray, Nyla Rose, do it. Let's Let's find it. I'm looking forward to it. And we also had Ali on commentary as well, who was who's also part of the uh, of the division. But yeah, I mean, if the, with the way they had they've been pushing or uh, promoting Britt Baker, it made absolute sense for her to go over here. 
Kylie Ray is going to be over regardless. I don't think there's going to be much of a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway, as far as it goes right now, is these, the, you know, these technically being the first three women signed to AEW, I think all of them are going to be fine. This was a nice, a nice showcase of what's to come peppered with a very nice surprise in, uh, in, uh, awesome Kong as well. We had, um, we had the best friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, this was, um, uh, this was one of your, uh, uh, one of your flippy matches, basically, uh, basically, Alex. I think at this point here, you were having some Milwaukee internet connections. If I'm not, uh, well, I, mean, no, problem, I, right? I don't want to blame the entire city of Milwaukee. They're getting enough blame as it is right now with the, the way that their basketball team lost four in a row. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> at least in my house, this is was cutting out, which was really too bad because I was looking forward to this. On Helico and Jack Evans. Oh, two of my favorite guys from the original roster of Lucha Underground. I watched, I watched that religiously. Loved that show. Fell apart in later years. Now, who knows? But those guys were so great at the beginning. Uh, I love them, and really looking forward to seeing those two guys uh, have matches versus the Young Bucks and uh, and the Lucha Bros because they basically did wrestle Lucha Bros almost exclusively for that first season of Lucha Underground. And let me tell you, they don't put on bad matches. So I was upset that I wasn't able to watch this thing live, but I, I did go back and see all the high spots in, in GIF form, and holy moly. There were a lot of them. They There were a lot of them. Chucky, Chucky and Beretta get some early double-team offense in. Uh, they go uh, they go to do their hug very early on, but they get double drop kicks to the back. And this is, this is a match, Alex, where uh, I'm not exactly going to cut to you because I know you didn't see much of the match yeah. here, but this is... It's, you know, we're having a conversation. Uh, the This is a part where where this 10 count rule I didn't understand because most of the match, all four guys were in the ring here. And Helico and Evans destroyed Trent uh, Beretta's face. They hit an assisted 450. Um, uh, they uh, tie up Trent's arm. Uh, I think it's, I can't remember, I, I but I think it's Jack Evans who ties up Trent's arm with his leg and then reaches back into some sort of abdominal stretch which was uh, which was really really cool. Pretty sure Sean would know exactly what the name of that uh, submission is. Taylor backflips onto Angelico uh, and uh, into the ropes, and they follow with a with a Falconaro. Chucky T follows with a with a Falconaro because, as you know, as Chucky T likes to remind us, nobody kicks out of the Falconaro, but Jack Evans did. Uh, there's some, there's standing slice bread on the floor onto Angelico Beretta with a tornado DDT follows, uh, the best friends hit some hit soul food into a half and half suplex, which looked really good. What actually would have looked better if production had given us a proper angle on it. And this is where the best friends hug, but this all comes to an end, um, with, uh, with the best friends hitting the doomsday knee strike. Then there's a topic on Hilo on a helico to the outside, and they end it all with strong zero. I like this match, and I know Alex, you can't comment on it on too much, but honestly, I felt I was watching two different wrestling matches. Felt like Evans and Angelico were doing their their thing, and then the best friends were doing their own thing, and then it was like, well, we'll each take our turn, but it didn't felt like a cohesive, uh, a, a cohesive match between them both. It wasn't bad by any chance. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to look at. But then at the end, the story arrives, the lights go off, and they come back on, Alex. And you have, in the middle of the ring, a big guy 
with a mask that kind of looks like a grown-up shark boy and dime store Ivar we're both standing in the ring the lights go off again then there's more guys with masks around the ring it's basically the Super Smash Bros who made their AEW debut commentary didn't know exactly how to refer to them no one said well who are these guys some as if they were some sort of mystery probably because they don't want to go on national television and start calling one of their properties the super smash brothers and then get a cease and desist from nintendo yep but basically the super smash bros beat everyone up and they stood tall at the end so that that was that that was that so more more surprises popping up tonight on double or nothing the next match that we had here was uh, were the Japanese women, the trios match that we a lot of us were looking forward to. Riho Abe, Ryu Mizunami, and Hikaru Shida, Hikaru Shida, excuse me, versus Yuka Sakazaki, Ima Sakura, and a uh, little-known wrestler, uh, an up-and-comer, Aja Kong. <laughs> uh, I was uh, I found out earlier this evening that uh, Riho Abe is uh, she's on a she she has a deal with AEW. She, she has like uh, six matches uh, signed. She has a limited, uh, basically a limited engagement deal with them. But uh, Hikaru Shida, she's actually been signed to uh, to the division, Alex. And I know you, you were looking forward to this match. Were was your internet on your side for this one? Uh, it was spotty. So yeah, I I and didn't. So get was it. the match? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. No, um, yeah. I'm retiring after this. <laughs> it was, um, yeah. Uh, I got, I got, I, I missed all the introductions, so I didn't know who anybody was by name. Um, and so it was like uh, the little one in the pastels. She's good. Who's the one who was wearing a mustache? I saw a picture of her. That was that was awesome. Oh, Aja Kong. I know her. So I, I, I do apologize for for my my terrible westernness of not having uh not being able to pick up on who was who while watching it because i missed the whole introduction but uh but what i saw of the match as the internet was in and out uh i i, I did enjoy quite a bit it was a fun match it, it it really was and it was a nice it was uh nice it was a nice refresher as well for north american eyeballs to see this kind of because they 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 completely went full-on joshi here um uh there's a lot of tests of strength that happened early on between Kong and Mizunami who is uh who is no uh who is a powerhouse in and about herself but you got Aja Kong in there what are you going to do Kong is basically immovable until finally Mizunami takes her down with a big shoulder tackle uh Riho and uh Sakura are next with some knuckle lock work Sakazaki hits a uh, a diving thez press on Rio and a head scissors takedown as well um Sakura then uh, a little later on has a does a beautiful surfboard and the audience is into it. They even give they even give the ladies some this is wrestling chance. So you really have to appreciate that. Kong pounds the hell out of uh, Abe and covers her for two. Um there's a uh Mizunai uh does some nice uh does she does she mimes a bit uh, where she's pulling a rope and she's actually really good at it. And that apparently leads into a really big lariat spot. A Urinagi is avoided, but instead a German, she German suplexes Sakazaki. 
Uh, Rio takes down Kong with a head scissors and a 619. She comes off the ropes, but Kong nails her out of the sky. She hits a backdrop driver that just completely folds Rio over. She covers her, but Rio kicks out at 2.9. The match, uh, oh, there's this crazy spot at some point as well where Sheeta basically deadlifts um, uh, Sakura from the apron. She into a superplex. So she's on the turnbuckles and she's lifting her opponent from the apron, deadlifting her into a superplex. That was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Match comes to an end when Sakura looks to finish it, but Sheeta moves out of the way uh, and Kong hits Sakura accidentally. She, uh, Sheeta finishes it with a running knee strike. So the, uh, the one, the, the lady who has the AEW contract, goes over here um like i said when this started this was refreshing alex if only that this is a type of wrestling that a lot of north american people including myself i'm not going to pretend that i'm uh, that i'm uh, that i'm so knowledgeable we don't get to see very often uh and especially seeing women doing fantastic wrestling at a great pace doing some interesting things uh this was uh look if this becomes a signature of aew i'm completely in on this yeah, uh, I, I I just love the idea that we that there's so much such a variety of what they present to us. Um, so that's the thing for me is that um, you, there there were um, I mean not not to be too much of a one to one comparison, but there was a whole bunch of stuff on the early episodes of Nitro where they would bring over uh, uh, women from Japan and have them wrestle in front of like people in you know, the Omni in Atlanta who were not prepared for what they were watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's the story that was made very uh, well known during the Mayan Classic that Mako Satomura, who was uh, in it, uh, Mayan Classic now, uh, wrestled her first match in the United States on on, a, on an episode of WC Nitro in like 95. So um, I, I like the idea that, and today's um, today's wrestling fan is much more knowledgeable, I think. Um, that than they were back then, and w- open-minded to seeing new things. So you put you put great wrestlers um, in in a ring and let them do stuff. That's the way. That's the way to do it. Uh, and but you know, at the same time, yeah, you know the the audience that was here tonight. We can talk. About- we, we we can talk talk about it now briefly. I mean, they were eating all of this up. Like they, oh, yeah. this was uh, from top to bottom. This was a fantastic audience. They wanted everything that AEW wanted uh, had to offer because they knew that they were getting something that they had been craving for a long, long time. You had a hardcore wrestling audience that filled uh, that filled the arena, the MGM Grand tonight. They were excited for everything because, well, because it wasn't WWE. It was just something completely that felt completely new and made for them as well. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think that this is uh, uh, again you, you have their stuff. This what a, what a wonderful variety of stuff you can see uh, on this card tonight, and all, all these uh, these women. I thought just really knocked it out of the park um, with this uh, giant stage um and you're gonna get more a lot more eyes on this kind of stuff uh all over the world but certainly uh i don't think 
the crowd in Vegas tonight would would object to seeing this uh, this kind of stuff over and over again on on big AEW shows. Next, we had my God, Alex Cody Rhodes defeated Dustin Rhodes in what was essentially not a retirement match. Uh, the <laughs> the last time that these guys fought each other was uh, was in two thousand fifteen. The uh, on at Survivor Series they had a <laughs> listen to this they had a, uh, a, a they had each their team Goldust had his team that was made up of the Deadly Boys Neville and Titus O'Neil against Cody Rhodes who was Stardust basically with the Ascension the Miz and Bo Dallas mm-hmm. Goldust teams emerged victorious and on the following night. On Raw, Goldust teamed up with the primetime players taking on, again, his brother and the Ascension, which blew my mind that the Ascension was main roster all the way back then, but that's a tale for another time, uh, in which, uh, again, Goldust teams, Goldust's team won after uh, after O'Neal hit Connor with the uh, Clash, of the tit- uh, Clash of the Titus. And then uh, in May 2016, Cody Rhodes would request his uh, release from uh, WWE, which they gave him. And from that point on, well, the rest is history. Now, before we actually get into the match, Alex, we have to talk about the throne. Yeah. Cody Rhodes comes out, and there is a very familiar-looking throne yeah, up yeah. At, the, at the top, right? It is something mm, pulled out of um, WrestleMania 22, if I'm not mistaken, Alex. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It's a dead ringer. Yeah. Uh, it, it is the throne from Triple H's Conan the Barbarian entrance mm-hmm. from WrestleMania tw- uh, 22. It's just there. Cody looks at it. He walks down to the ring. Brandy goes under the ring, pulls out a sledgehammer, mm-hmm. to which she hands to Cody, and Cody <laughs> walks up the ramp, swings the sledgehammer at the throne, which sort of cracks in very precise places in mm-hmm. areas where the head the sledgehammer did not actually hit plus plus a puff of smoke alex yes yep um i get what he was doing and I, and, and you know you're the stage guy i do want your thoughts on this mm-hmm. but you know i know what they were doing yeah uh and i know uh, it and like, i know it felt probably very good for for cody as well to do it but the thing is is it felt a it felt a little too much mm-hmm. and and it wow well, it it kind of smacked of 1995 WCW really well okay um you say that you knew what they were doing i knew what they were doing everyone in the audience knew what they were doing like lower life forms amoebas nematodes they knew what they were doing it was pretty obvious what they were doing i understand it and as i said if this is it, it's tonight, and that's it, and you move on from it, fine. But as, as a statement, for Cody to come out and say, um, I did everything you guys asked. I've been trying to get the Stardust thing over. It's not working. Just let me go back to being Cody Rhodes. And they say, no, you're going to be Stardust. Okay, well, then I can get at least get a push. No, we got nothing for Stardust right now. Then why am I going to be Stardust? Because you are. Okay, well... Can I at least have a, a, a meaningful feud with my brother with like a, a great Ma- WrestleMania blow-off match? No, we don't see Stardust versus Goldust as a WrestleMania match. Oh, okay. 
Well, then, goodbye. G don't let the door hit you on the way out, kid. See what you can make out there. We'll, we'll be holding our breath. And look what he's done. I mean, all, really, really, if you go if you go all the way back to it, sure. all they had to do was say you don't have to be Stardust anymore, and he's probably still under contract to WWE. Like so, they so if 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 this thing gets out of hand, and and Vince starts losing wrestlers left and right because they see the grass is greener on the other side, and all of a sudden the the, the ratings for AEW go up as as WWE starts to go continues to go down. Vince only has himself to blame and, by extension, Triple H. So I understand what they were trying to do. It was just as heavy-handed as that one blow which cracked the, the throne in all the places. You didn't need a dragon to set fire to this Iron Throne. Just one mighty swing by Cody of Rhodes. Oh, boy. I don't know what's sad. <laughs> uh, Anyway, I don't want to get nit I'll get nitpicky in a little bit though. Okay. Because fine. Well, well, when we get when we actually get to the match. Sure. Because like because I, I do get and I don't want it to turn into a WWE versus AEW. Look, Cody can can do whatever he like he's in say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at control now so he can send out whatever messages he wants if he wants to have a foam throne built that he can smishy smash with a with a sledgehammer that's fine and i'm okay with it i'm okay that he takes his shots that's i'm perfectly okay with it and of course he did it for his fan base it ignites the fan base of course and again i'm okay with that but i think you'll see in a just a short while why i have an issue with this because because we do have a match and we what a match what a match this was um as um as uh, as dustin rhodes hits the ring we, the audience of course chants for for dusty as they go at it there's a lot of posturing from uh, at first a lot of callbacks as well from from cody to begin with you know with the uh, drop down uppercut um, there's a Topi Suicida from Cody early on on Dustin. Dustin misses his spinning drop, misses a spinning drop kick off the apron. And Dustin does his diving senton off, does a diving senton apron. Already then I'm like, wow, should he be doing this? But he is. Hits his bulldog back in the ring, does his corner punches as well. Dustin does. Uh, Cody avoids the big right hand though and rolls out of the ring for a good old fashioned stall. And I like myself a stall. Yeah. There's a ref. There's a ref distraction that happens. 
and that allows um, Brandy to splash water in Dustin's face. That allows Cody to hit a gut buster. A dragon screw leg whip follows, and Cody is clearly playing the heel here throughout the match. There is no doubt here that he is the son of a bitch. Cody stays in control until Dustin hits, uh, uh, does the uh, drop down uh, straight uppercut. He sets Cody up for the Shattered Dreams. And again, I want want your insight on this, Alex. Sets Cody up for the Shattered Dreams. But as he's moving away and Cody's on the turnbuckle, Cody removes the turnbuckle pad and tosses it. Sort of, and I guess the psychology here is that, look, brother, the turnbuckle pad is not there. If you kick me now, it's going to kick me harder? Is is I is that the uh, the threat ultimately here? The problem is, is what it is, is that we're all assuming that Shattered Dreams, for, for now, what, you know, 20 plus years, Shattered Dreams is, you know, Goldust runs up and kicks you in the balls, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He kicks the turnbuckle pad underneath your balls, and the and the fact is that 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 by by Cody Rhodes removing the turnbuckle pad, he's like, ha ha, now he's gonna kick kick the turnbuckle. It's gonna hurt your foot, and we're all like, yeah, but that's not the that's not the conceit of the move. The conceit of the move is he's missing. We're led to believe, you know, theater of the mind. That he's missing the turnbuckle pad and kicking you in the balls, but you just told us that the whole move that we've been watching for 25 years has been BS, which I understand because listen, there's this we for, we don't know what's going to be like, but it uh, seems like AEW is pushing that whole more sports than entertainment. So all this like little subterfuge and all this kayfabe crap where where everything's obviously a work, we're going to stay away from those moves. Maybe Shattered Dreams is not a move that they're going to do in AEW because it's too obviously fake. Let's let's see if they're going to do stuff a little bit a little bit differently than that. So, this is exactly why I decided to get into online wrestling commentary, and it's to discuss fake ball kicking <laughs> versus realistic one. Right. This is, like, is the, gotta, is the but we got to know: is, is the ball kick a work or is it a shoot? You got to know. Because otherwise, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, what are we doing if we don't figure this shit out? Yeah. Um, but anyway, Dustin doesn't doesn't care. He runs in to kick, but he uh, but instead, Cody plants him face first into the exposed uh, turnbuckle bolt. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, does your boy Dustin Rhodes bleed. Yeah. Oh, that is some epic levels of blood here, Alex. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the thing. Here's what the, the, the what the deal is, and I mean, listen, it's not. We're not under Vince's watch. We're not TVPG. We're doing this differently here. Uh, so, so blood is a thing that's going to happen in W in, in AEW. Uh, and so here's the other thing. Um, I don't think he he got split open the hard way on uh, on that turnbuckle. What was great it was it was so wonderfully it was absolutely a thing out of dustin and cody's dad's time have the valet or the manager distract the ref and then get into an argument with with them on the ramp when they get tossed out so everyone's attention is turned up that way so huddled in a corner 
the guy who's supposed to bleed can sit there and work on his little thing and get that all nice and moved up and kind of see if we can nick an artery while nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that is it's great. It's sleight of hand and misdirection. It's from the old carny days. It's exactly how Dusty would have done it. And that's what I really liked about this thing. Do I think that Gold Dust bled a wee bit more than was necessary? Yeah. But I love that they actually got to it by using the old, you know, the valet has gotten involved and now the ref is throwing the valet out. You know, I mean, I think that's that's a great that's a great way of doing it. I love this spot where um, where obviously um, at this point, Dustin is just covered in blood. Uh, I, I love the spot where he he Irish whips uh, Cody into the buckle and he expects him to just bounce back and he just wildly swings because he can't see. He's got so much blood in his eye and he just wildly sw- swings at him and instead just uh, uh, Cody just hangs on to the ropes and just knocks him down. I thought that was a nice touch. There's a code red by Dustin Rhodes, okay? Mm-hmm. Dustin Rhodes hits a code red. Yeah, this is this is 2019 where I see uh, um, where I see not Ricky Morton, the other guy from the uh, Midnight Express. Uh, 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 Robert, is it a Robert? Yeah, uh, who who hits who hits a Canadian yeah. destroyer on on the indie circuit? Yeah, there this you go. is this is our 2019 folk, <laughs> where we have these 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 aging legends who are just pulling off these crazy ass moves. Um, uh, Dustin Rhodes then hits a crossroads on Cody. Who covers him for a, but he kicks out at two. Cody gets a low blow, a disaster kick. Crossroads on Dustin, and Dustin kicks out at 2.9. Then Dustin hits a second crossroads on Cody, and Cody kicks out at 2.9. There's some more strikes, some slaps, and Cody has to hit Din's fire and another crossroads to finally pin his brother. This was such a fantastic story, Alex, that culminated in the end where Cody picks up the microphone and says, you're not allowed to retire tonight because I am going, because I need a, uh, someone in a match at the next pay-per-view against the young bucks. And I don't need a partner. I don't need a friend. I need my older brother. And they both cry into each other's arms. Alex, this, this was a perfectly told story that was just emotional from top to bottom. Yeah, no, this is exactly what they, what here. (laughs) Um, all you have to do is you have to like just just find a, a, a old pirated YouTube of any of the Stardust versus Goldust matches, and 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 watch watch WWE um, t- taking these two guys and telling that story, and then watch tonight, and you can see what the difference is. This, yeah. These guys, these guys, these guys have a story because because we know their story from somewhere else. The story within this brand is nothing. It's just that these guys are brothers and they used to hate each other elsewhere. But that's it. But they were able to tell that this amazing in-ring story having virtually no like long-form story within the brand to back it up. So amazing. Uh, also, the proverbial crimson mask doesn't really do justice to what was pouring forth from old uh, old red dust's forehead. Cause that was nuts. There was that point where he he got up after have, uh, uh, kicking out of a pinfall, and he just turned like he was on his back, and then turned over like this, 
and then just 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 everything just poured just mm -hmm. poured off his face onto the onto the canvas and i was like is nobody gonna get earl hebner a pair of gloves like this come on this is nuts earl's old school he's old school man um i i did love the touch of cody like smearing the blood across his face Cody, Cody's uh, blonde hair looked like uh, Ric Flair after Ric Flair got bled in those yeah. old matches. Looked like Dusty after Dusty got bled. It was great. No, it, it, it was fantastic. But here's the thing. This is what I wanted to touch about uh, regarding Cody. See, my, my main problem with Cody is that he flip-flops so much between I'm a babyface and I'm a heel. He comes out and he breaks apart the, the Triple H shrine Right. They crack and everyone goes bananas because right. they're like, yeah. Then throughout the match, he's he's chicken shit, fuck you, Cody heel the entire way. And then at the end, end mm -hmm. he comes out and he says, I need you, I love you, bro. And he hugs it out with his brother. And I'm right. like, what? How am I supposed to feel about you, Cody? Right. I, 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 I don't know. And, and plus you're the president of AEW and there's, you, we like you because you're, you're, you're the driving force behind a new force in professional wrestling. And we're all happy about that. But oh, th like, this is what I find the most exhausting about, about, about Cody Rhodes. And this is not the first time that we see this either. He's done it in new Japan. He's done it in ring of honor as well. I, I pick a side. You know what I mean? I think there's a little bit more of Triple H in Cody Rhodes than Cody would Ooh. like us all to believe because Triple H is, is deified as the father of NXT and the guy in charge and the guy who one day is going to save us all from Vince. When Vince finally moves on to the great booking office in the sky, we'll have Triple H to set things right and we love him and yet... Triple H is one of the biggest heels in the history of wrestling. Every time he goes against in the ring, he can't help himself from being that heel. We all boo him, but we still, you know, like, is that, so that's what Cody's doing. He's, he's the guy who's running this thing and sticking it to Vince. And we love him for that. Uh, and we also say, Hey, that's amazing. You, you bet on yourself and you won. That's awesome. So we love him at the same time. He gets in the ring and can't help himself by playing, by playing the heel. Because it's much more fun to play the bad guy than the good guy. Everyone knows that. So that's what he likes to do. So he's doing the same thing. He's running, running Triple H's playbook right from the get-go. Mm -hmm. The one thing I wish that they had done better of is the ending of the match was weird. Because he hits Din's fire and then doesn't pin him. Like, he pins him kind of. And then the ref's, like, calling a 10 count. And he's, like, gets in the ref's face. And then he hits crossroads again and pins him. I was – I would have loved – if you were going to build toward – you're my brother, and I love you, and I need my older brother in this match. Versus the co-executive vice presidents of the company that I started. Like, I, if it was like his biggest rivals who he can't stand, who beaten him down two on one several times, that's when he needs his older brother. So that storyline doesn't quite hold water yet to me. But I would have loved it if it had been he sees what he did to his older brother. And it shakes him a little bit. And so he doesn't, doesn't put Goldust away when he should. And Goldust gets the flash roll up on him. And Cody's like, see, I always knew you had it in you still. You're, you're, not, you're not retiring on a win, buddy. Like if they had done something like that, it would have actually made everything flow better. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, that, that, I mean, because 
I think that's there was something there that could have been done. But at the same time, I mean, those seemed like very real tears. And I love the yeah. idea of, of of Cody like saying, "Hey, man, we're do like I'm doing this." Um, and I know that you, I want you to do it with me because we, we're doing it for dad. We're doing it for dad who was a hero and then got brought into, in, into WWE and they made him like plunge toilets. Like that was his character. He plunged toilets. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing it for dad. And I feel like that's a way of actually like making that even more personal. So we'll see. But I mean, it, it, it certainly felt like there was something more to it there. And also could have been even more had they made the end of the match cohesively run into the promo of I still love you, even though I tried to murder you via blood loss. <laughs> but then again, you know, the, uh, you know, they, they also, I'm pretty sure there were, there's a big part of it that, that Cody did this for Dustin as well, just to give him a proper send off because absolutely because he knew even if, even if this is not the send off, he knew that WWE would never properly give him like, they couldn't even give Kurt Angle a proper retirement match. So, um, British comedian and amateur Jack Whitehall comes to the ring to introduce Bret Hart, who will introduce or unveil the new, the brand new AEW World Championship title, and he invites. Uh, he invites Adam Page, the winner of the uh, of the uh, buy-in battle royal, one of the two contenders for the AEW World Championship title now, to come to the ring to to witness the unveiling. Then MJF comes out to interrupt the proceedings, and if you ever had any doubt right now that they're that they're not putting, if you have any doubt as to whether they're putting stock in MJF or not, having him come to the ring. And tell Bret Hart that he's going to be the best there is, the best there was, the best. He- hey, you know what? That catchphrase sucks. If you feel that they don't have faith in that kid, he starts calling, starts calling Adam Page a horse, refers to him as, as Sea Biscuit at some point, which I thought was funny. And then Jungle Boy comes out, Jimmy Havoc comes out, and the baby faces all surround MJF, and they sort of beat up on him because MJF thinks it's a good idea to. Try and fight out three guys at the same time. But in the meantime, in the ring, Bret Hart pulls the belt out of the uh, of the sack that he was carrying it in. And I, Alex, I, I, I think it looked like a good belt because I, I, I didn't really see it. No. Yeah, production was all over the place. They, they didn't get a proper camera shot with it. This whole segment yeah. felt a little. It's weird to say, but it was overbooked. Yeah, no, the segment was overbooked. It also had a distraction finish. Like, it was, like, absolutely, like, somebody got up on the apron. What are you doing on the apron? Whoops, I've been rolled up. The belt got rolled up because there was somebody on the ramp that he was looking at. Like, oh, I guess the the belt lost his opportunity at (laughs) being a great title belt because he got distracted by MJF on the apron. Um, Yeah, yeah, this was, this was one of the lower lights of this whole thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know the, the fella in the ring. The dude who was like being funny. I don't know him. I don't care about him. It was cool that Brett showed up. It was, which was another one like, Hey, Hey Vince, I'm over here supporting this new thing. That's opposite you. You know, I was just there uh, getting inducted into the hall of fame for the second time. Like, and then some crazy guy attacked me. Remember that? 
anyway, I'm here now and I'm holding this belt and that is like the antithesis of you. Uh, I think that was interesting and certainly could have been played up a little bit more rather than, and as much as I love MJF and think he's a major player in the future of this company, this was not the spot to use him. Even if he got a pop by being, you know, mean to Brett. This, if you're only going to, if you're going to use him, it has to be only him. You can't have muddy the waters by having Jungle Boy and the hardcore vampire like come out, Jimmy Havoc, and and like he he's a, he he looks like like the the fifth most important villain in like Blade Five. That's who Jimmy Havoc is to me. In this in this, I, I think he's great. But in this particular thing, having him like me and Jungle Boy. It's it's like a vamp. It's like it's like the fifth most important villain in Blade Five, and and Tarzan's son come out and like they're a tag team now. That doesn't you come on AEW. You're better than that. You can do better than that. You can't you can't steal focus from that new title belt, which is the most important thing on your brand. It has to be. You made it that by having Bret Hart unveil it, and then you said no. Wait a minute. It's not as important. As this thing we're doing with MJF and like the odd couple guys, like, yeah, eh. looks like uh, it looks like a uh, I saw some still shots though. After it's a handsome belt, yeah, it looks good. It, it, does it look better than the 24 7 title? Uh, Alex, come on, <laughs> I'm just saying, we had two belts unveiled in, in the span of you know a week. Or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Which one looks better? I'm, I'm not. I'm not, I'll. I'll leave that alone. Um, and it was a big deal to see to see Brett there, and I agree. And I'm wondering what. It's an interesting message that AEW mm -hmm. sent there to mm -hmm. have him come to the ring, lift the belt over his head, so that he would introduce it first. I, you know, this is the kind of thing where you kind of wish you were a fly on the wall during all these discussions because you yeah. kind of feel that there's a lot of people who are taking the opportunity to just. Tell tell a certain v VKM gentleman how they really feel. And, yeah. and, and you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. The Young Bucks retained their AAA Tag Team Championships against the Lucha Bros in what is essentially the crazy high spot, hopefully no one murders each other match of the evening. Um, and, um, and, I, and, and I mean that in the most loving way possible. I really really dug this match it was a lot of fun the audience was into it um there's uh there were early on some there was some nice slingshot double arm drag there was a nice slingshot double arm drag by phoenix on both of the jacksons uh jackson's excuse me there's a great pace uh exchange a great uh, pace exchange between nick and phoenix that ends with a stalemate on the floor you know where they usually trade moves and then they finish with a drop kick? Well, the guy spilled out onto the floor to do that, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, the uh, There's a sunset bomb splash by the Lucha Bros. Uh, arm drag, head scissors, takedown off the top rope by Nick. Nick was, he was in top form tonight, Alex. He, like, he had been doing most of the heavy lifting throughout 2018 with Max, uh, not, not Max, but uh, Matt's, uh, uh, injured back angle, but holy crap, he was really carrying the team tonight. Yeah, uh, this was, pr pr as I said to my friend who say, how is the show? Um, I said, well, you know, um, 
Dustin and Cody turned in an absolute classic for the ages. Uh, this is at the, at, at the point where we were just starting the main event. I said, and of course, um, Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks was predictably amazing. Like you watch it, and you go, this is one of those things is that these guys have wrestled each other, I don't know how many dozens of times now, and it never, ever, ever gets old. I mean, on if these guys are still doing anything as old timers day, as uh, as, as like you know the rock and roll midnight express type type guys who are going out doing the indie stuff and they're still doing it when they're in the fifties, it'll still be awesome. I mean, they may not be doing Canadian destroyers on the apron, but who knows? They might be because these guys are insane. It was it was uh, it was amazing to watch. Uh, you're right, Nick. Nick turned in a great performance. But here's the thing: when Phoenix is on. Like mm-hmm. really, really on. And the problem with him is that's about 50-50. Sometimes he just doesn't, doesn't show up, doesn't put in the, the same kind of work. on certain. But when he is on, he's one of the top five wrestlers in the world. And he was on tonight, man. He was so good. The stuff he was doing with the crazy arm drag, springy, boardy, flippy, dippy things. My God. That's what he, this is what he did. He had Matt in a wrist lock. He springboards off the second rope onto the top rope. And Nick, Nick Jackson is right on the opposite side of him. Well, on the angle of the apron. So he, he, he springboards off the top rope, runs Nick into the ring. Then he rolls through and hits a cutter on, uh, on Matt. Or a, a stunner, actually. That was that was fantastic. Um, even though I said Nick pulled out a great performance, Matt as well. He hit a series of three Northern Light suplexes, like he just rolling through them, holding on to the moves, uh, then uh, and then holds on to the bridge for a sharpshooter. Penta comes in, and Penta eats a Northern Light suplex of his own. So that was fantastic shit. We of course had a super kick party later on. Uh, there's a uh, Penta driver slash gory bomb spot uh, on the Bucks as Phoenix hits a swanton dive as well. There's a sick top rope brain buster by Matt who just mm. drops Phoenix on his goddamn head. Mm. Mm. The bang for your buck gets two on Penta. Uh, there's a spike package pile driver as Matt d- dives to the outside to keep Phoenix from coming in, but that doesn't. Uh, that uh, that doesn't keep uh, Penta from uh, from being pinned. He kicks out, and eventually the uh, the young bucks bring an end to this match with the Melter Driver with only one arm, because Penta worked over Matt's arm pretty severely with that arm snap and so on and so forth. So the young bucks re- retain here. Any last thoughts on this match, Alex? I mean, listen, this, this thing was great. Uh, the arm snap, like, if you watched any of the first two seasons of Lucha Underground, they, they treated Penta as this dark, like, soulless god. I mean, he was a skeleton ninja, but he was also just this amazing force of absolute darkness who literally took men's souls through their arms. Um <laughs> So I loved that we that we got a, got a chance to see uh, see you know him bust out the arm breaker move, um, and and as as is unfortunately the case that never seems to really make a dude tap like a you put him in an arm bar and guys will tap but they're, they're everything will be fine. He literally in kayfabe breaks people's arms. They're like, nah, I'm good. Just gotta shake it out. 
Um, uh, but yeah, I, I thought that the end of this match was was great. These guys work so well together. Uh, I thought it was weird that it was like um, that Jr. Uh, was like, imagine these men came into your home and they took your they 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 took your belts and you got to come back and get them. And if you came all the way here and they don't get them back, oh how terrible that would be. That's, that's wrestling, Jr. How you humiliating! You you you've just described wrestling. So, you know, it's it's okay. We understand. The fact that he was making such a big deal out of it was just quintessentially JR. But uh I I I loved this match. And I, I can't wait to see the tag team here's the thing. When he, he does say this, JR was and spot on, and JR was sending a message with this. He says, how can tag team wrestling be bad? Like he says that at one point. When you have guys this good, tag team wrestling can't be bad. Why is tag team wrestling bad in other places? And I, that, that's definitely him saying, hey, Vince, you could put on good tag team wrestling. You choose not to because you think the tag, tag teams are the sideshow. These guys aren't the sideshow. So I think I thought that was really interesting that JR even got, on, got in on the act. I agree. Main event time, Chris Jericho defeated Kenny Omega to become the second number one contender to the AEW World Championship title. Uh, for his entrance, Jericho had a little something special. We got to see we got to see a retrospective of Jericho's past incarnations. The Lionheart, the List, the shiny, glittery coat that I think a lot of people thought that that would be what we were getting. But no, we got, we got uh, Dark Fedora Jericho. Sounds the makeup though, which is all right, which is that, that was that was a good that was a big step up. I will yes, say that was a that was a good step forward. Uh, they did a good job here giving this uh, giving this the big match feel with reason. Um, there's there was a lot of strikes early on with Jericho turning Omega's chest a bright red, it's kind of like red meat, a uh, rare meat, red rare meat. <laughs> Jericho wall at some point wallops Omega with the right hand. Uh, they brawl to the outside where Jericho calls himself the winner by ringing the bell. He starts trolling on the outside with the camera, pushing Jericho uh, Omega, excuse me, over the barricade. But Omega, uh, Omega spits some drink right in Jericho's face. Back in the ring, uh, Omega hits the "You cannot escape." Tries to cover Jericho, but can't get it done. Um, Omega then uh, runs the ropes, gets turned inside out by a huge lariat by your boy Jericho, who's actually doing the best job he can, Alex, to get the audience against him. Everyone is really excited for this. Everyone loves Omega. Everyone loves Jericho. And he, God bless him, he really did his best to uh, to turn on the crowd, especially when they were doing the uh, uh, the one, two, whee calls. Mm -hmm. he, he tried to get them with that. Uh, he's, um, he's great. He's really, really great at what he does. Uh, he has been, um, for 20 plus years. Um, and, um, I don't know how long he's going to continue to do it, but he still can do it at an incredibly high level. Um, and that's the thing that make, I'm watching this thing going like, I, it feels like Jericho, like his, his athleticism and and his strength or whatever like peaked around like 36 37 and he's just been wrestling at that plateau ever since which is a, which is 
like people say, well, he's you know, he should be you know, whatever. No, if you plateau from 36, 37 to 47 and you don't get worse, that's pretty amazing. Um, uh, so why he was never absolutely the best athletically or strength-wise, he hasn't fallen off much. So he's still doing a bunch of stuff that, that he and also he's adding new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I do love that he's willing to say, you know what, I'm going to kill myself for this business one day. It <laughs> might it might be today. Don't change that dial. Like I, I think that that's really interesting. Is that is he's absolutely going all out intentionally. I I also love that he's the perfect type of heel for this new company. You need me because this company wouldn't be anything without me because I've got the cachet from that other company that I also think sucks. Like, I think, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff. There are a lot of layers, like the guy who can't, who says I I was big there. So I'm going to automatically be the biggest here. And by the way, there is a pile of crap. Like there's a lot of really interesting layers there. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing where this goes. But again, Kenny Omega just continues to, to wow me every second I watch him in the ring. Um, I didn't think he was winning this after Handman Page won the, the, the Battle Royal. But damn, if he didn't make me believe it eight mm-hmm. or nine times. That's the kind of quality storyteller he is. Uh, his nose is banged up. He's bleeding hard way from the nose, probably because of that punch that uh, that uh, Jericho landed on him. Jericho starts to go get some tables. Uh, he starts setting it up, but as he's angling up the table, uh, Omega hits a cop- uh, Topicon Hilo over the top rope on the table onto Jericho as he's carrying it up. Then he drapes the table over Jericho, gets mm-hmm. back into the ring, and just goes for a double stomp over the top rope right onto Omega. That was brutal. Gets uh, he sets the table up, gets a uh, Jericho back in, hits the Kitaro Crusher. Um, the uh, he, uh the, Jericho also tries to go for a uh, for a couple of um, of lion salts on Omega, which don't exactly well, it's the first one doesn't land very well. He lands on he lands on Omega's head, mm. he tries to do it again, and that one connects nice and proper. Um, then there's a uh, there's uh, Jericho goes, no, excuse me, Omega goes for a Tiger Driver, but it is reversed by Chris Jericho, who back body drops Kenny Omega over the top rope and through the table. Mm. There's some more attrition between the two until Kenny dives off uh, the top rope back inside the ring, and Jericho catches a midair with a spot-on code breaker. That looked really good. Uh, the match eventually does come to an end. <clears throat> when um uh, eventually does come to an end when jericho debuts the judas effect which is a rolling back elbow alex um good but to be honest it kind of made me feel like when john cena decided to debut a new move you know i was a a wee bit underwhelmed yeah yeah um there's no way that strike from Jericho could have, I mean, in a shoot fight, one-tenth of the impact of one of Omega's running V-triggers. It's just not possible. So the idea that that's the thing that knocks him out, I mean, after Jericho's been hit with a running knee, I don't know, 1,100 times in this match? Like, it just, 
that I'm fine with them using it, but it can't be like an instant match ender. You know, it just it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know, I, um, I get I get that Jericho probably wants like a flash a flash finisher. You know, something that'll just come out of listen, nowhere. Listen, the co the code breaker could be it. Like all the like like the problem is is that Coldbreaker's been been could uh, I say could have been it like mm -hmm. that that move where you just you just yank a dude's face directly into your knee, um, absolutely could knock somebody out. Um, and and you could hit that from anywhere as he has for many years. But also, dudes have been kicking out for that uh, out of that thing for a long time. So no, it's yeah. no, it's no longer that. So I don't know what you do. What is the other thing? Um, so yeah, I understand why he wants something different. I don't think this is it though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's exactly that either, but he did win the match. He did. He'll be facing, he will be facing Adam page for the, uh, AEW world championship. And, um, you know what? This is fantastic, fantastic news for Adam page. If you want to elevate this guy, cause mm -hmm. apparently they're, they're rocket strapping this dude. Um, what better position than to put him? I, like I hate talking about a wrestler giving another wrestler the rub, but I mean, there's no other way to put this. You're putting him in a high-profile match against Chris Jericho. This is going to do wonders, not only for his uh, his sheen or his prestige, but also for his in-ring work. Because, like you said just before, uh, Jericho can still go, and he's a master storyteller. Yep, so true. But here comes the real story. Not that there, that, not that this was a fake story. You know what I mean, Alex. Don't yeah. judge me. <laughs> Jericho has the microphone and he starts calling the audience ungrateful. You want to boo me, you jerks? Lighten up, marks. He says, "I'm." He says, "I'm smart enough to know that this is my time now. This is not a company for the fans. It's a company for me." And he demands a thank you from the fans. And there's a lot of commotion coming from the audience. And someone is coming in through the audience, Alex. It is a gentleman that we have previously known under another name, but now we will refer to him as John Moxley, who runs in and hits what was previously known as the Dirty Deeds on Jericho. Not only does he hit the, previously, the move previously known as Dirty Deeds on Chris Jericho, but he hits the move previously known as Dirty Deeds on the referee as well. He turns his attention to Kenny Omega, but Omega pushes him to the outside. They fight. They fight. They brawl into the audience, Alex. They go right up into those gigantic, that gigantic stack of poker chips that they had, which you thought, Alex, was just scenery, was yeah, just I, tossed in there for, for, for good measure. We have a little extra cash here. Sure, why not? Sure. But no, Alex, it served a purpose because... Kenny Omega, John Moxley fought to the top of that stack of uh, oversized poker chips. And John Moxley hit the move previously known as Dirty Deeds on Kenny Omega and did not stop there. He fireman carry slammed him off of the gigantic stack of oversized poker chips onto the tables below. In case you haven't been paying attention, John Moxley is in AEW. Reports coming out from the post-press conference say that he has been signed to a multi-year deal. Alex, uh, this is this is big, big shit. Yeah, oh, it's it, incredibly big. 
uh, particularly because of how he was treated on his way out of the company. Like they begged him to stay and they, they gave him a hero's exit recently. Like he stayed on to the end of his contract ran out. So there was no like, I request my release. Okay. Here's your release. We tacked on six, six months of, of injury time. And then after that, you got a year and a half of non-compete. No, no, no. He said, he said, I'll work until my exact end date. And then I'm a free man. So here's like, I, I really don't think that WWE, the higher ups there could have imagined that right. Like it felt, it feels like that ridiculous WWE network, like send off show where they, where they had like their, their final match, uh, their six, the Seagulls final match in like some, you know, armory in Iowa somewhere. Uh, and he gives this great speech of like, you know, don't ever let anybody tell you what you can't be because the shield says you can do it. By the way, stay tuned because I can be whatever I want to be too, kids. <laughs> because he left and like immediately he had that amazing like trailer for himself that he put out on his on his Twitter, which had like two tweets total in, in his in the entire account's lifetime. And no, this is in the next one. Where he says shows himself being John Moxley, uh, breaking out of prison, mm-hmm. like which had no symbolism in it whatsoever. Nah, um, it, just and, pure uh, coincidence. Just totally. Um, but uh, he's um, this is a major coup for people to be like, listen. Uh, uh, I mean, the revival could be like, so um, uh, about that back shaving thing. Like everybody can be like, no, you don't get to do that to us, because because you you can you can hold over our contracts length and you can tack on extra time, but we're all going, all of us. You know what yeah. I mean? There's there's going to be a, a major thing. There's a deal. Like on Monday on on Raw, there's going to be another Elias versus Roman Reigns match. No one's going to learn a thing, but eventually they are, and then they're and then it's going to be a whole panic mode. The, the it's a big deal because look, um, you know, Chris Jericho, his association with WWE has, has not been as strong as it once was, you know, flipping with new Japan and coming back and so on, you know, doing his own thing. So, you know, it's, it, it wasn't as big a deal because we already saw him as somewhat of a free agent and he does whatever he wants. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, at least for WWE was like, eh, it's gold dust. You know, it's like, but here, here you have a former world champion, intercontinental champion, tag team champion. Wasn't he U.S. champion at some point? Oh no, he was. He was a absolutely a WWE Grand Slam. He champion. was a Grand Slam winner. That ends up in a rival promotion. He's. This is a very big deal, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's not just because as fans because we. Dean Ambrose Moxley has a has legions of very loyal fans. It's not even on that front. It's really on the pure, per, uh, uh, purely the, the on on the perception front, on the PR front, mm-hmm. where you have a former well-established, pushed guy, a yep. guy who was pushed. Yeah, saying no. You know what? You guys don't have anything for me. You don't have anything fulfilling for me no. to do. No, you're having you're. The last thing that you said you had for me, you had mm-hmm. me standing 
next to a car, next to an, a flaming oil drum. And then the mm. week after, I was getting vaccines in my ass. Mm. That's what you have for me? No, 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 no. I'm good. And that's what this ultimately symbolizes. Like you said, you know, there's a there's the possibility for other for other wrestlers who aren't as create who aren't as fulfilled creatively to have an outlet to to go somewhere else and try stuff out. Now, yeah. as we said at the start of the show, pretty sure that AEW doesn't want to be WWE cast off city. So it'll be interesting to see how this how this goes. But I, you know, I I'm pretty sure that you know right. some some folks would come and knock in they'd be very much inclined to to listen and, and get them aboard. There are a lot of folks who are in, let's say, Impact and Ring of Honor who have not been touched yet by WWE, who I think would make a, a very good career decision by moving to AEW because that will very quickly become the number two promotion in the world um, with a bullet. So I understand that. However, um, watching the Battle Royal, I was not overly impressed with the lower mid card of AEW. I was not looking at them going, "Oh, you know, I see, I see a future uh, AEW champion here." I didn't see that. Um, I think a lot of it is we'll, we'll learn to to not think of these people as WWE castoffs. We'll look at them as um, uh, people who basically um, uh, were, were superstars in AAA. And then they got up to the major leagues and the team decided not to bat them. Mm -hmm. So they decided to go over and instead they're going to play for a rival league, like in Japan or Korea or something like that's basically the idea. And then um, it's, it's going to be a different thing because there are a lot of people in, in, in NXT who, who get brought up and then. So, so the idea of the people who used to think, Hey, I, I'm a, I'm this indie superstar. I'm definitely gonna go to, to NXT. Are thinking maybe I don't want to go to NXT because I've seen what NXT does. Like it, it it makes you a star in NXT, and then they leave you to be nothing once you get called to the main roster. Maybe I want to go to AEW instead. And there are all these people who are. I think that there there are like Sean Spears might be thought of in circles as a uh, WWE castoff, but. I'd sure like to see a Britt Baker versus Sasha Banks match. You know what, what I mean? Are you, like, what like, are I'm, you implying, Alex? I'm just are, are you break are you breaking some news here? I, 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 break, I break no news because I know nothing. But I I'm just saying hypothetically, there are some people who are un, unhappy with their the creative that they're being given in WWE who are um I, I would say like be according to WWE because of the way they're being booked. B to B plus players who would be immediately A plus plus players in AEW. Because because Dean was not used used well recently at all. I would argue that his uh, WWE Championship reign on SmackDown that when the when SD Live was really hot when he had matches with with uh, with uh, AJ Styles that triple threat him and AJ Styles. And John Cena, like John, he was booked really well, and then he wasn't. Like he really wasn't. So he was not even a B player. He was a C plus player. And now, oh, give me that match with him and Kenny Omega. Just give it to me. 
strap it like just just this this tie off my my arm oh. and mainline it you know what i mean they, they are going to hurt themselves so bad oh, they are going so to hurt themselves bad. so bad alex this was a fun show i it had a good a time we 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 you know we we went over a bit tonight, but it was a five hour show and there was a lot to cover. Yeah, it was the first yeah, AEW, yeah. it was the first AEW uh, right. show, and there were some big events. I thought that I had a lot of fun watching the show. The you know I think we we mentioned one major misstep where we really went eh, but yeah. otherwise, man, Alex, final thoughts. This was yeah. a fun show. This was a lot of fun show. I, I mean, uh, final thoughts about the show itself. Great uh, AEW, a lot of promise. I will say, the next time that um the aw hosts uh, a pay-per-view in las vegas where what what topographical climatological region would you say las vegas is i'd say it's in the desert now what else is in the desert hmm. sand now wwe didn't go with this but it's very possible i think that fightful should trademark it because it's inevitable that the next pay-per-view held in Las Vegas by AEW will be called Sands of Time. And with that, I'm done. <laughs> and and that is that is a perfect thought to end this. Someone should text Jimmy Van to copyright that straight away. Thank you all very much for joining us this evening and sticking around till the very end. Uh, thank you very much for your support for Fightful. If this is the first time you see us, why don't you... Why don't you think about subscribing and give a thumbs up on the video? That kind of stuff always does help. Always remember to check out Fight. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Fightfulselect.com as well for your extra content and fightful.com, fightfulwrestling.com for all your wrestling, boxing, MMA news. Guys, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. Where, and Alex, where can we find you again on uh, Twitter and stuff? At Pulaski the Fourth. And you can find me at Mr. Warren Hayes. Thanks a lot for hanging out, and we'll see you next time.